Muhammad. We're gonna start. We're gonna start. Muhammad. Uh, Muhammad Shweik Falil. Let's not. Muhammad Shweik Falil. Welcome to the podcast, bro. I'm. I'm actually very. I'm genuinely happy you're here. Yeah. Like, uh, not because we're sitting on a podcast. I need to talk a certain way, but I'm actually very happy you're here, man. Thanks, bro. And, I'm happy um, to be here. This is. You're gonna be here. You're gonna be a regular, inshallah. And uh, Dan has no idea You're what that means. You're just saying words and yeah, just just, mean just to scare to you me. off. Just to yeah. scare you off. The intro hasn't even started yet. It, it was the what intro. We've started. Guys. This is <laughs> this is this us. is it. This is it. We just like to roll in. Just we, straight out. Just straight out. Roll in. Right. And welcome to the podcast. This is fourth episode, Chu. And Dan, can you believe you're the second guest? No, for sure. And four is my favorite number. So is it? It is. It just worked out that way. Four is your favorite number. Why is why is four your favorite number? I don't know. I think it's always been. uh, You can write it different ways. So you've got the vertical four or like the horizontal four. I can't believe we're talking about four. (laughs) That's fine. No, this is this is very deep question. Very deep question. You can expect from us. Yeah, yeah. These are the deep questions we talk about. (sighs) Okay. So, Shu, who are you? Where, where you come from? Let's let's start there because I think the best way to know someone is to know where they come from and where were you born. Like, give us give us a story. What, what's your story? When you meet someone and when you meet for the first time, when you're sitting down and you're just having a chat with someone, how do you tell yourself? Like, who are you? Uh, that's kind of a <laughs> very difficult question that you it's just not. put into like a couple of words. Yeah, try, um, try your best, try, give your give a best shot. Okay, we'll start with where do I come from? Yeah. I think the short answer is nowhere. But okay. uh, I was originally born in Sri Lanka and I moved yeah. over to Qatar when I was two months old. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then being raised in Qatar, I was always identified as Sri Lankan. But the moment I went back to Sri Lanka, I was always identified Ooh. as Qatari, which wasn't the case. Yeah. yeah so yeah. I like to believe I belong nowhere. And now I'm currently in Australia, but I'm not Australian. Mm. How long have you been in Australia for? The last six years, I think. Okay. So I just finished uni. So fairly new yeah. to Australia. I mean, I think I'm quite accustomed to Australian culture and everything. Mm. I wouldn't say I'm new. Mm-hmm. There's heaps more to do in Australia, for sure. It's way too big. Was it easy to integrate into Australia? Um, it was difficult. My first year, I was a bit of a hermit. So I didn't go out, like I didn't come out of my shell or anything. Mm. So I guess getting acclimated to the Australian culture was a bit different. Uh, one would say I was a bit too close-minded, mm-hmm. wasn't as accepting. Mm. But after my first year, like, I mean, you, I think all humans have a a point of loneliness mm-hmm. and then they're like okay i'm gonna I need to go see get what's up, up mm-hmm. what's out there <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, and then slowly started making a lot more friends you know getting used to the culture mm-hmm. the the vibe overall it's so laid back here and mm. it's very chill yeah i it's, love that's it. that's good to know too that it doesn't take that long to blend into australia <laughs> i think it depends on the individual's yeah, perspective 100%. Yeah. like if you're a close-minded individual or like I initially was, it's going to be a lot harder to mm. make friends mm. and just meet people on mm. a daily basis. But if you're more open and just willing to hear people out, you're just more likely to make friends. 100%. So how old are you? I'm right now, wow, dude, straight? You yeah. don't ask me. How old are you? I'm... Turning 27 this year. Okay. It took me a minute to think about All it. Right. But I'm oh. almost 30, guys. Okay. Yeah. I'm 32. 
Yeah. Come on. That's it. It's all down 27 here. 27 is not that old. <laughs> I can't believe you're two years. You're two. What year are you born? 96? 96. Yeah, I'm 97 born. That's it. Fuck, I'm the youngest. You're one year younger, bro. Don't yeah. say two years <laughs> out here. Know. The only Indian who can't do math. <laughs> yeah, it's very, it's very, I, I can't, I can't do math actually. It's very, it's very weird. My mind doesn't do numbers well. Yeah. Yeah, Just sorry. letting all your people down. People down. down is like, fuck this guy. Yeah, you have to have some sort of like arithmetical ability, I guess. I'm no. not sure I said it right, even. <laughs> arithmetical abilities. Yeah, no. No, I don't actually. I think I'm a creative person in general, but no, not with math. Anyways, um, you said you were originally born in Sri Lanka and then you moved to Qatar when you were two months old. So again, you would have no memories initially of... Uh, of Sri Lanka, how so? You grew up in Qatar as a as a kid. Yeah. When did you move out of Qatar? How old were you when you moved out of Qatar? Uh, when I was eighteen, I moved to Sri Lanka for mm-hmm. a year. I didn't really know what I wanted to do, and mm-hmm. I didn't want to go like abroad to Australia mm-hmm. or Canada or somewhere without mm-hmm. actually knowing what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So uh, I took a year in Sri Lanka, did an engineering diploma there. In Sri Lanka. What was yeah. your reason to go to Sri Lanka? How did that it's came cheap. into? Oh, I see. Yeah. Is there like that's I mean, good enough? Education good enough. was like fairly cheap, and again, I didn't know what I wanted to do. So mm-hmm. if I flunked a year, like wouldn't be that bad. You wouldn't have lost much. Well, my dad wouldn't have lost much <laughs> at the time. You know, sponsored. Did, How? You, did you move to Australia with your family, or did you come here no, by I'm, yourself? I moved here by myself. Oh, okay. Uh, right. My family is still based in Qatar. Okay. Wow. So when you, for 18-year-old, technically Sri Lankan who went back to Sri Lanka, who grew up in Qatar, again, it's a, it's a way different... It's a mouthful. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it, it would have been such a, such a bizarre experience for you. It would have been so different. Did you, uh, I think I've asked you this before, did you ever feel like home there? In, back, when you got in Sri Lanka, when you were like, okay, when you landed there and like, hmm. It's How is like this place? it's a weird feeling. I would say it, it's you kind of know that that is home, mm-hmm. but it it's not home where you grew up. Mm. So you have no actual connection. Like my extended family, like my grandma, my aunts, my cousins, mm-hmm. they're all there. So it kind of feels like home, but mm-hmm. not to the full extent as like Qatar did. But even when it comes to Qatar, it's I don't really belong there. You don't mm-hmm. become a like a full-time citizen there yeah. or anything you can't yeah. so. it's it's funny that they don't give you did, did did you know about this no so any uh middle east not any just just with uae right well most middle eastern countries. most middle eastern countries mm-hmm. you can live there you can have a business you can mm-hmm. stay there mm-hmm. but they would never give you permanent residency like australia gives you residency or canada and any other countries they would never give you permanent residency so you can never be a citizen there it's it's so yeah. funny. Why why do you think why do you think that is? Do you know anything anything about that? Not too much. Not I too also much? don't want to speak out of my norm. <laughs> my family's still there, guys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I see. But uh, <laughs> no, you get a residency permit. From what I know, I think there's ways to become a permanent resident, like potentially owning businesses and so on and so forth. Mm. Um, I I'm just not well versed in it. <laughs> okay, that's fine. So we we're talking about Sri Lanka. You being in Sri Lanka. Um, I feel like we're a place where maybe it's just me. I think you would feel that way about Qatar. Um, did did you feel any biological attraction there, like bi- biological pull that okay, I'm from this place? And did you ever, or was it hard for you to blend in in there? Because would you, 
initially you said that I'm actually from nowhere and there must be a reason that you said that you were from nowhere. Did, was it hard for you to fit in? No, Qatar is quite cool. Um, it's like majority of the people there are expats. Mm -hmm. So everyone's moved from somewhere else. Mm. Uh, you come to a country, there's like, I went to an international school. So we had people like from all different races and like life, forms of life, I guess. Mm. Uh, it was good. It was really multicultural. Uh, it's just, it's weird. Like, I don't know. I, I haven't felt like I was in like a closed off area ever in Qatar. Like people are pretty open and chill. Uh, there's a bit of classism, but you know, that's what you get with the Middle East and everyone knows mm -hmm. it's there. Mm -hmm. Uh, but it's incredibly safe. It's a good life there too. I just, yeah. Uh, just knowing that you there's a feeling that you don't really belong mm -hmm. at yeah. the end of the day. Yes. Like, yes. It's just an overhanging feeling. Mm. You just I just know. You just carry that with you every yeah. day of your life. Yeah. yeah. So, yep. Yep. and then when you go back to where home is supposed mm. to be and they tell you you're not from there mm. either, you can't really form a sense of like connection there either. Yeah. And I just feel like at the end of the day, even when I moved here, there wasn't that initial like connection. Now I love it here, mm -hmm. but at the same time, I don't still feel like there is that connection. And that's why I just identify as just a man of the world. Mm -hmm. no yeah, how man of the world, that's, that's a bar. <laughs> that's a bar right there. No how late that man of the world. <laughs> man of the world. <laughs> that's good, I like that. You know, recently, I think a couple of days ago, my cousin brother, he was driving down from the, from the road where I used to live. And he sent me a clip of that place. And I remember it exactly how it is right now. It's still the same. But I hated being there when I was there. But now when he sent me the clip, I was like, fuck, I miss this place. It's something about home that you, it, it pulls you back. And just like you, me, we have moved around a lot. Dan has also moved around houses when he was growing up. Then did you, was there a specific place? Like you, you grew up in Australia, you've mm -hmm. lived, you've lived most of your, well, all of your life here. Um, was, what was the one place that you think that you feel like this is a home? Like uh, there's a, there's a pull, there's attraction to that place. I, I, well, I think I know what that is, but I'm, I'm gonna let, let you say that, yeah. Um, Snowy Town? What? Is it Snowy Town? <laughs> no. Uh, that was a nice. I like that place. That, yeah. I like that place, but I wouldn't consider that home mm. necessarily because when I went to primary school, um, made a bunch of friends there. Mm. Moved, you, to, moved away from that town. Can you yes. tell us too quickly where you went to primary school? So I started in Canberra, moved to Yes. Where's Yes? <laughs> It's New South Wales. It's sort of think close to Sydney, about okay. a couple of hours away from Sydney, close to Canberra, very close to Canberra. Um, but yeah, no, I st started primary school in Canberra, moved to Yass, but then we moved away from Yass out further into New South Wales to the snowy region, mm -hmm. and then we moved back to Yass later on. So I think I home is where I consider where my friends are, the friends mm. that I met in primary school and then reunited with years later. So yes, yeah, yes, yes. I would yes, yes I would, it was yes, yeah, yes I would <laughs> consider home. Yes, is your home? But only because I have connections there that I don't have 
in the other places. Yeah, because... So I don't have family or friends in all the other places that I lived in between. Yeah. Did you spend most of your time when while you were moving, the majority of your time, in Yes? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. How was... How, How was school like in Qatar? Oh, it was great. I loved it. Uh, I didn't have a... I mean, I was a bit morbidly obese, so that was like the biggest problem I had at school. <laughs> and it's, when you think back on it, it's not the worst problem to have. Mm. All you're doing is eating, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Life is good. Life is good, yeah. That's it. Um, but like, I had a close group of friends, and I think that also uh, adds to the value of home. It's mm -hmm. where the people you cl like are closely related to. to. Yeah. And for me, it's also a bit different because most of my friends from home left and mm -hmm. they went to other countries mm -hmm. to pursue an education and also eventually to migrate there. So a lot of my friends who I grew up with have left Qatar and most of their families have also left. Mm -hmm. So the aspect of home just becomes like less and less. Less and less, yeah. Like it's really sad to think about. Like I have all of my memories like burnt into mm. me. Like again, if I were to see a picture of the port where we used to hang out, mm. it would mm. just drive back memories and mm. I would think of the people. But like mm. if I were to go back there now No one be there. Yeah. No. <laughs> I can't I can't relate to that more. It's it's so relatable what he just said that if you go back to place that was your spot to hang out, it won't, it won't be the same now. It's very weird. Have you kept in contact with any of those people you grew up with? Some of them, uh, but I guess when you don't see them on a day-to-day -day basis, mm. there's like a, a distance factor that comes in too. Like my boys and I are like still boys. If mm -hmm. I, Some of them are still in Qatar. So when I do plan to go back there, I'll hit them up. And then I feel like nothing would have changed. Mm. We're both like the exact same people. If not, a younger version of me actually comes out. Yes, yeah. yes, you're right. Yeah. It's a different personality that comes out of you. And you don't realize it because it's it's very different from what you... What you're, the, character, like. yeah. the character that you're playing in, in, in this country versus when you go back home. It's so different. And uh, I was talking to someone. He was, I think he was a therapist. And uh, he was like, well, you're a, you're a migrant here, right? You, you migrate here. I said, yes. I said, did you ever feel that you d developed a different personality? I said, absolutely, yes. Then mm -hmm. you would have no idea about that, would you? But d was you, it? You sort of have to adopt the Australian persona, don't you, when you're an Im immigrant? Is that correct? No, I, I would never. Is, no. that, is that what you meant by that? No, not, not Australia persona. Um, You're growing as an individual as well, mm. and you your your responsibilities and in life changes in a way, as well. But saying that I, you have to adopt uh, that persona, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Like I like me being different from mm. everyone else, um, not having those relatable Australian things, because I I don't believe in blending in. I I, I think it's it's for the it's for. I don't know. I like I like standing out for some reason. Mm. I like being different. I like having a different music taste than what my friends have. Um, I think that's my thing. I don't know. Mm. Well, I don't know how different your taste is. It's all hip hop, bro. Everyone yeah. listens to it. <laughs> I, maybe it was just my company. It's like, I'm unique. I'm unique. Yeah, I try my best to be unique. <laughs> But yeah, I think, no, I like, I like to be different. I don't know. Um, from people I hang around with, maybe it's just me. 
Um, I think I had a different taste in music, different taste in a bunch of other things. I could, maybe it was just me. Like I never felt like uh, I belonged here or like I, I like to just go out and try new things and experience new culture for sure. Mm -hmm. But I, I never thought, I never think that I try to get into that persona. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's a bit different for me. I think the people that I surround myself with um, I have a persona that relates to that group of mm -hmm. people. Mm, yes. So um, I guess with my friends from back home, I, that persona formed from when I was like, I guess, a child, essentially. Mm -hmm. So I revert back into a childish mentality, mm -hmm. which is completely different from the person that I am today. Mm. But I think the person I become when I go back home is like a, a morphed version of mm. both this incredibly childish child and, and what you're this right adult now. child that you currently yes, have. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. And it's just a fusion. And for me, I also look back at my past and at least everyone has different relationships with themselves when they look back. But I always look back and I'm like, that guy's a big idiot. So when mm. that persona comes mm. out of me, I'm also at the same time judging myself. I'm like, why are you acting like an like idiot? <laughs> yes, yes. The, I don't know you your friends would notice, but when I go back home, my friends would say, why Why do you have an accent? I said, I don't have an accent. They said, you do have an accent. I said, I don't know. I'm not trying. I think, but I, I think I do have an accent when I go back. I think home. you just get like acclimated to the culture, right? Yeah. Speaking a certain way. Mm. Subconsciously, you do you do get that. Um, a very interesting thing. You know how you talk about cars with your friends? Like, oh, I like this car and I like that car. And I was talking to my friends about a car. Uh, that's a Subaru Impreza. It's a hatchback. And I've started liking hatchbacks since I've been in Australia for some reason because there's so many out there. And they're like, why do you want a soccer mom car? <laughs> soccer mom car? So that's that's a hatchback. Why not a sedan or like a sports car? So no, I like that. So it was different for me and it was weird for them to realize that what you just said, you, you do get acclimated into that into that culture subconsciously, but I never I don't think I try willingly yeah. to blend in. It's the choices you make, yeah. right? you want to fit with a group of people you kind of have mm. to make these choices mm. um and i guess if you're not open to making those choices you won't have those friends you mm. won't develop that personality yeah you're right i try to make new friends but it's hard for me i don't know it's hard for me to make new friends dan is it is it easy for you to make new friends um well i'm an introvert so yeah it is mm. it is hard for me to make new friends because i like my own company most times yeah I, I it's just easier to go out and do my own thing <laughs> yeah i i'm more extroverted uh but like recently i've fallen into the the hermit crab mm -hmm. life yeah where i'm just towards myself do you think that's as a result of all the lockdowns in melbourne over the last few years uh I wasn't particularly too affected by all the lockdowns. Mm. I was working the whole time. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was just like any other day. Mm. I mean, I couldn't leave the house, but it wasn't too bad for me. I was always like busy per se. So I wasn't bored throughout lockdown. I think it's just more so just exhaustion. Like, because yeah. you'd have to expend some form of energy when you're trying to be like social mm. as well mm. and especially being an extrovert i'm always giving energy but yes. not like taking taking in so when i'm by myself i f i don't know it's not i don't think it's too beneficial nor is it too like detrimental to myself mm. uh i think i'm just in a stagnated like point because i'm not 
expending energy, but nor am I absorbing any. At your core, what do you like? Do you like receiving energy or do you like giving that energy since you're talking about energy? I think I'm more of a giver, mm. but at this point, I'm just like... I see. I see what you mean. Yeah, it's burnt out. Do you reckon that's the result of maybe pressure from work or is this just your stage of life that you realized maybe I should try listening to other people because I'm at that stage of life because I think I'm an extrovert and I was I would always like projecting my energy maybe I still do a little bit but sometimes in a group of friends I would deliberately sit quietly and try to listen to people and and try to read them like you know how body language is sometimes their arms are closed or their heads are tilted the other way they're they're nodding to what you're saying like i try to do that and i fell in love with that process does that do you do you think you do that as well i i like listening but i also like uh, i'm just a bit full of myself so i like hearing myself sharing too. <laughs> yeah 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 yeah, yeah. So, not my actual voice but yeah. uh so you uh, are an introvert oh uh, extrovert, extrovert no no i'm yeah. definitely extroverted 100 extrovert. extroverted um i used to be introverted i think like when i first mm -hmm. moved here that yeah. first year was definitely introverted just kept to myself mm -hmm. uh but like even growing up i was much more introverted than extroverted i would say uh yes. a lot more shy mm -hmm. um but i don't know now being extroverted i feel like it is who i am mm -hmm. like it's it it's part of my personality i like to poke fun at things i like to like just mm. you know stir the pot mm. a little bit that's good that's good i think you should do that i think when you do that you, you you see results and you see things branch out of those conversations when you try to share the pot which is good man that's that's the way i um, mean it depends whose pot i'm stirring yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so bringing back to how how did life take turns when you were back in Sri Lanka, 18-year-old Shu trying to study, what were you studying again, sorry? Uh, engineering. engineering, right? Yeah. I want to ask you about engineering. To think about it too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, uh, what was I what studying? What was I studying? <laughs> um, when, why engineering though? Why, did you always had an interest in that? Uh, so my dad worked for an oil and gas company, uh -huh. but he worked in public affairs. So more admin type mm -hmm. role. Mm -hmm. Uh, and the company that he worked for essentially just created a hub for all of their employees that mm -hmm. was in between the main site, the work site, and the main city. So mm -hmm. just in between, they created this hub. And I got to meet, like all of my friends were basically, their parents were from the same company. Mm -hmm. So I got to meet like engineers' parents or ah. engineering parents. Uh, and these guys would go offshore for two weeks or like mm -hmm. a month and then come back home for a month mm -hmm. and have all that time with their family and then go offshore again so on and so forth and these guys were loaded all of them engineers you know mm. nice sports cars big fancy uh, watches so is that sort of lifestyle that yep. you would chase in rather than the uh the degree itself. the degree yeah. yeah no no completely um mm. and that lifestyle was what appealed to me so mm. that's why i wanted to initially pick engineering mm. but had no interest in engineering nor did i know what i would do with engineering mm. um then i moved to sri lanka and i studied really hard to get out of sri lanka because uh -huh. the pavo situation there was mm. really bad mm. and it's when, growing up from like i would describe a first world country and then moving to a third world country just like seeing the differences you wouldn't see any poverty in qatar mm. and i'm not saying poverty is bad or anything please don't cancel me mm. <laughs> <laughs> i mean i just begun guys yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um 
but it's it's difficult when you see like people hungry in the streets like and when i first moved there i was initially because i felt privileged i felt like Mm. i needed to help as well and i was giving like beggars money but Mm. what i didn't realize was i was attracting a horde of like uh underprivileged people People. just around me so i remember i rocked up uh i think it was like my first couple of weeks in sri lanka i stopped taking the train i went on the bus and i got off the bus and there was this lady with a child and I mm. gave her a hundred rupees, like a dollar here. Mm, yeah. But in Sri Lanka, at that time, it used to be money. Now mm-hmm. we've gone through like a financial recession mm-hmm. yeah, where it doesn't mean much. Yeah. But um, I remember giving it to her and going off. And then the next day I saw her again and this money really didn't mean much. So I gave it, like gave her one and the lady next to her also requested money. So mm-hmm. I had spare money, so I paid her too. Mm-hmm. And before I knew it, I got off the bus and there was a horde of people around me one day. Mm-hmm. And I just like bolted. I was like, I don't have <laughs> enough money for all y'all. Yeah. Like, you guys better do some split check or anything here. I have one note you guys decide. Was it was it bizarre for you that experience? It was. It's it's weird. Like, um, like I would describe myself as relatively privileged and to see mm. someone who's like not as lucky like I guess internally your your first instinct is to help but you don't realize you can easily be taken advantage of in that situation too sure sure uh, and that's what like living in Sri Lanka taught me about Sri Lanka uh, I remember I also fell off a bus and nobody gave a shit about me oh yeah <laughs> like there was a group of people just like circled around me mm. so but, uh, the bus was like decelerating and I was getting impatient and I was at the side of the bus so mm-hmm. I was like fuck it I'm just gonna jump, jump off yeah this is like I've, been I've done this before yeah. like I'm well experienced and I jump off and I think I must have landed with both my feet which is no that's a big no no number one big no no <laughs> and the bus was moving way too fast for me to jump out of yeah. and I remember landing face first and also sliding there was a massive hole here like my pants were all torn off and like I remember looking up and a horde of people just circled around me. Not a yeah. single person came to help me up. It been there. I've been there. The embarrassment just like it yeah. took over, my face turned red and I bolted straight through the crowd into my next bus and I just looked down, mm. crossed yeah. my pants, because you know there was a massive hole in mm-hmm. between. Yeah. <laughs> and just had to move on with my life. And I realized it's like no uh, like you don't see that many people in Sri Lanka trying to help as well like and i don't mean from like a big cause point of view but i mean like a day-to-day basis like you don't see that much charity being given out to Mm. beggars and stuff because people are where you can't get taken advantage of Mm. and it's what you learn and like living there honestly scared me a bit i i didn't potentially see a future there but it's because i didn't acclimate well to the environment i'm for sure, there's great future in anyone's career in Sri Lanka. Mm. I would like to think so, just as a yeah. country's point of view. Did you move to Sri Lanka already with the mindset that you weren't going to be there long term? Yes. Yeah, okay. I, I moved there with that mindset. And um, just, I guess, I never thought about how like lucky I was before I moved there mm. to see the world from like that lens. Hmm. I mm. I lived in like a sugar coated mm. like candy land mm-hmm. community a massive community that's of, it uh, completely safe like 
Yeah. And then you go there and there's times at night when you're walking where even you, like as a dude, you can kind of feel unsafe. Mm. Again, it depends on mm. how comfortable you are with yes. mm. the area too. Like, I think at that point in my life, I was just, I didn't want to be there internally. Mm. Like, mm. Uh, just a sort of classism. But like, now that I've gotten older, I've like reflected back on that experience yeah. and probably thought it wasn't yes. the best experience for myself at that time. No, I disagree. I think that was a very good experience for you because when you come from a come from a place of a of a what you said a sugar coated sort of society where everything is safe, I was gonna actually ask you that. Did you feel that it was that experience helped you in some sort of way to realize how because technically what you what happened when from seventeen year old you to eighteen year old you saw like two sides of coin literally two sides of coin like 100 and zero like yeah. so um i think that that would have been helpful that's this is what i think do you reckon it was helpful for you in any any way for sure because i didn't see my future being there like mm. all in all like my passport says i'm Sri Lankan, mm -hmm. so i'd have to go back if anything were to happen mm -hmm. to me um but like just for my own basis it's it didn't feel like I personally fit into the culture. So I couldn't see how I would bring value to being the Sri Lankan like, economy or the culture mm -hmm. or the people mm -hmm. just in general. I didn't see how I could bring my own worth because I have a completely different perspective to most For of sure. these people. For sure. Like, mm -hmm. It's a bit more of a softer perspective. Mm -hmm. I'm not hardened like mm -hmm. they've been through. They've, I feel like people who grow up there have like, a really tough challenge to overcome and like you see it every day like it's not your fault to be born into poverty mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. for that reason you don't get a proper education or mm -hmm. you misjudge what the value of education is yes. based off where you're growing up yes. I was very fortunate that my parents were able to like show me the right path at least that's what I believe mm -hmm. because when they start their life and they get to a point some people start from that point when they were born and then grew up from that level so there's That's levels it. to this shit, right there is levels to this yeah. like my parents left they left to move to qatar and for better opportunities of course mm -hmm. exactly yeah. and for me to in my opinion at least the way that i viewed which is probably not the best way i was like if i were to go back i'm just undoing all the hard work that they did mm -hmm. i need to level up from mm -hmm. them that's good yeah, that's a good perspective. Let's uh, let's put a star mark on that, and we'll we'll come back from break, and then we'll, we'll talk about that. Since we're back from break, uh, we we're talking about Sri Lanka and Qatar, right? When did you move out of Sri Lanka? So you must have been 18, 19, 19, 19. years old. Yeah. And you moved from Sri Lanka to Australia. Yep. You said you were working very hard over there. What? How did? Australia came into the conversation and what was your reason to pick Australia than Canada? I'm guessing your friends must have gone to Canada because apparently it's much easier to get residency there. Yeah, uh, it was it was good. Um, like it would have been much easier to go to Canada, but I didn't have any direct family in mm -hmm. Canada. And my parents wanted me to move over somewhere where we had direct family. So in case anything happened, I have one cousin here. Yeah. Uh, chill so like if anything were to go wrong i think it was just to give my parents that like peace of, peace mind. of mind yeah. yeah for sure 
So how did well, how did Australia? Um, so when I was picking like colleges to go in Sri Lanka, I picked one that was directly linked to Monash Uni. Mm-hmm. Wow. So I did a Monash diploma degree and then moved over here. Wow. Was it was it an easy process for you? Yeah. Uh, so when I first moved, it, like the education system you get from different countries vary like heaps. So Sri Lanka was like a spoon-fed type education. Mm-hmm. So the the lecturers are giving you everything you need mm-hmm, mm-hmm. from the get-go. But when I moved into Monash initially, it was more so um, more dependent on your own performance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just got to uni, you know, like mm, first time away from home. Uh, you've got all the freedom. And I grew up in a pretty conservative family. So my parents were very grade focused and there was like a lot of pressure growing up mm-hmm. per- to perform. So you take all of that off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no more pressure to perform mm-hmm. uh, or to actually go to class and stuff. And I took advantage of it while I did, while I could at least. And then started underperforming at university. And I also, like I wasn't happy with the way that I was being taught. So what I decided to do was to switch over to Swinburne, which was much more practical focus. Mm-hmm. So uh, once I moved over to Swinburne, I was able to like completely finish my degree. And actually moving over to Swinburne was what reignited my passion towards engineering. So like previously what I said, I just wanted to be an engineer for the sake of being an engineer. Didn't know what an engineer actually did or, so I was going throughout uni. uh, I was in Monash for about like almost two years. Those first two years I didn't know (laughs) <laughs> what it was that I was really studying mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and had any passion or drive. Yeah. Um, and then I was thinking about taking a gap year for a bit. Um, I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I was like looking more into what sort of like career or interest would like mm-hmm. align with my own personal growth. Mm-hmm. And I found my interest into cars. Yeah, That's where it started. So now I have a crazy car obsession. I still don't own a car, by the way. <laughs> so I'm aware of that. Yeah. Just, just waiting for the right one to come by. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love the idea of how, what the mechanics were behind like a functioning car. Mm-hmm. So I first started by learning all the different types of engines there were. Mm-hmm. Uh, and after that, I realized that related to some of my thermodynamics units. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, mm-hmm. when I could have made that relation, it, I hated thermodynamics at the very oh. beginning. Oh, okay. It was something I detested. But then when I made the correlation, the subject seemed like easier. Mm-hmm. easier. More interesting. More interesting, mm-hmm. exactly. Not actually easier, but a lot more interesting, interesting. and a lot mm-hmm. more engaging. And now you were doing from your heart. Yeah. You know, you actually is like, hmm, I like this. Okay, there's a there's a reason why. Like, there's there might be a potential future or interest yeah. in actually paying attention now. Wow. Um, and that's slowly how I got reignited with my drive towards engineering. Um, and then I, well, decided to switch over to Swinburne, mm. and they had heaps of lab pracs. Mm. And we had pracs in Monash too, but they were all like one percent. And when a lab practices 1%, are you likely mm. to attend it? <laughs> yeah, because being an engineer, I'm guessing that's a hands-on thing. 
right? Well, that's what it used to be. Mm. So, or that's what your interest was initially, because you must be. Are you a hands-on guy? Like, yeah. Are you like being for sure? I love the more practical side mm. of engineering than Absolutely, the more yes. theoretical. Yes. But it seems like the title engineer is now moving from the practical aspect to the more design, uh-huh. the more research and development mm. roles. Yeah. So, uh, it was it was difficult because the. The vision of an engineer that I had in my head was some that guy who mm. used to go offshore, right? Yeah. And he was probably like offshore just working on certain sectors or yeah. just like tightening up mm. some bolts somewhere, you know? <laughs> and that's the life that I imagined I was going to live. But engineering's developed since then. Now we're not so much like manual labor focused, but more so like... Why, do you, think, why do you think that is? Is that because technology is at a rapid rate and it's advancing and it's, it's advancing more, every day yeah like, for sure today this mic is this big mm. and it provides this quality of mm. sound mm. but tomorrow it might be a tiny mm. little mic that provides even better sound mm-hmm. you've got better audio equipment that comes out every day video equipment and for sure everything's every evolving and it's only able to evolve because of the research and the development that these R&D teams go teams through doing. yeah and that's why it's like a a main focus and it should be the focus it's just i initially didn't realize that no matter how dumb that sounds <laughs> do you i have two follow-up questions on that do you want to ever want to take a part in that sector of developing technology do you want to get into that since you're into cars you're an engineer and you like tech i'm guessing do you ever plan to or is that your heartly desire to get into that wave of technology and rolling on into a forward motion of technology advancement ideally yes um but what right would be now your thing what would be your thing then what do you mean what would be my thing in terms of getting into that sector or getting into that uh, zone of engineering technology and advancement so it's a mindset it's your ability to think about a problem in different aspects mm. that's what i believe like wow. what engineering is like yes. so i had a proper engineering job for around like four to six months i would mm. say i worked in a, a mechatronics company yeah and initially i was just making parts so i would get mm-hmm. a sheet of paper it was a drawing. It will say like all the dimensions for the parts that was needed. And I had to actually go fabricate the parts mm-hmm. using a, a mill, a lathe, or whatever we had. Mm. We also got heaps of like laser cut parts. And then another aspect of my job was I'd get another drawing with just the assembly and I just had to put it together. And mm. that aspect was always fun. And after working there for a bit, I got to move on to the design aspect of things. So I was actually mm. physically designing the things that I was making. Mm. And I would send it over to the, uh, the technicians and they would make it. Mm. And I was working under uh, our lead engineer, Wayne, and he, it was great working under him because I, I would design a system, but I wouldn't know it wouldn't work. Mm. Oh, <laughs> I see. Yes. Wayne was there to guide me and he was like, oh, you need bearings here. You can't have metal on metal rubbing. Like mm. this idea doesn't work. And it was a great learning curve for me as well. I left there because it was a toxic workplace. Mm. Not Wayne, but the other people Mm -hmm. involved. Uh, It was crazy hours. Like, they hired me as a graduate, and they expected me to perform like I was a specialist. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That doesn't work, Uh, especially when you're not... They weren't primarily focused on training us. It was just more so get this out. I see. So... 
there was that. Mm. There was always a time crunch involved. They would uh, grossly underestimate time frames and mm. always be short on mm. delivering. Yeah. Uh, one, we didn't have the manpower. Two, we didn't have the experience, too, without like proper training. Mm-hmm. And it went on like that. And it was really bad for my mental health. So I decided to make an executive decision and leave. Mm. Mm. But an aspect of me always misses like everything that I was learning. And now I'm in a good sales like job, but yeah. at the same time, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm learning as much as I was at that place. So there's an aspect of like, you can struggle mm. and do what you wish, or you can live a comfortable, cushy life, not doing what you mm. like. Mm-hmm. And I decided to go the latter part uh, path, sorry. I'm kind of hoping my yeah. life will redirect me towards something I'm passionate about. Yeah. But do you purposely want to align your ship towards your destination of getting into that? I'm not I'm not close to the idea to mm. answer your question, mm. but uh, if the time comes and the opportunity presents itself, I'd be more than happy mm. to take it on. I like, feel I feel like it's so weird that we all initially try to get into things we love and then deviate from that and get into something that we don't yeah. like. And it's common between three of us. And Dan's was comedy, if I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. Yours was engineering. Mine was photography. You sort of want to do that initially, but there's a part of you that just sort of like, I want to just get into that, what you just said there, you know, comfortable and cushy life of that constant pay and uh, everyday thing. But anyways, I, I want to bring it, bring it back again because I think this is a very interesting question. What was that? Can you, or maybe do you remember that moment where you fell in love with this? Or what was that exact moment then you realized, like, okay, I'll actually like this. Shout out Donut Media on YouTube. I love your content. Yeah. But I would say you're the reason why I deviated back to, to engineering. Wow. Say, say that again. Say the name again. Donut Media. Donut they, Media. Yeah. What's, what's Donut Media about? So they modify cars. They talk Donut about media. cars. They yeah. talk about like, it could be just from the car as a whole or to individual components like engine mm-hmm. or like the suspension mm-hmm. or the drive chain. Uh, drive train, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> All yeah. these car nerds out there are going to be so like happy. This, this guy boy. doesn't know what he's talking about. Chain? <laughs> drive chain? <laughs> nah, um, but... Yeah, they their videos, I guess the way that they created their content got me really engaged about cars. Mm. And then that carried forward into my uni life as mm. well. And I was able to make the connections towards like engineering feeds. How, how old were you when you started getting into that? 21, 22. Mm, so that was your moment of your interest. What, what other interests do you have other than engineering or... You know, maybe cars. What? What else? What else? I've recently gotten into watch collecting. Yes, bit of a watch hobby. collecting. Yes, yep. that's good. Yeah, that's I remember it. that. Uh, How many watches do you have? Right now, I have nine. Nine watches. Yes. Yeah. One is an Apple Watch. That's two are dodgy, dodgy watches like yeah. Daniel Wellington type yeah. stuff. Yeah. And. Uh, two, ones. two Tissos, I remember. Yeah, two, two Tissos. Yeah. They're the yeah. the prime. Prime, yeah, the top tier. Yeah. Top tier. God level. Yeah, well, so far, you <laughs> yeah, know, yeah, yeah. You can't. In terms of your collection. In terms of my uh, my yeah. shitty collection. <laughs> it's not shitty. I've seen your collection. I think I think it's a very passionate and a, and a very versatile collection because you have 
Oh, I wouldn't consider Apple Watch a watch. I don't know. Well, you shook your head when you said Apple yeah, Watch. Like, fuck, that's not a watch. I don't know. It's, <laughs> hey, man. I think... So, I also have a particular disdain to fashion watches. Mm. Companies like Daniel Wellington, which is why I mentioned I had two Daniel Wellington-esque watches. Yeah. Uh, I don't clarify them as proper watches, but I think anything that you enjoy slapping onto your wrist is... Is your thing. Yeah, true. It's, it's your thing. And like... 100%. I, sh- I shouldn't like be not because my housemate loves Daniel Wellington for whatever reason and mm-hmm. I keep shitting on him every time he's there he's like it's not a real watch yeah um, wait hold on he says that Daniel uh, Daniel Wellington isn't good watches no no he likes Daniel likes Wellington oh okay I see and yeah. I dislike it you but don't like the, uh, Wellingtons no why not because uh, they're cheap movements cheap parts like the quality of the cases aren't that great either and then they mm. mark up for an obnoxious price why do you have two of them uh, one <laughs> I stole from a friend and two the yeah. second one was like a gift for me it's not a Daniel Wellington uh, it's um, some unknown brand but mm. it looks like it's finished better oh, yeah, I see but again I don't classify them so I would say I have six decent ish watches What's what's your favorite watch out of your all collection? What's what's your closest to you? So I just bought a Tissot PRX recently. That was the first watch I personally yeah. have ever bought, bought for myself. I've seen that. Yep. Yep. So uh, it's a it's a Tissot PRX Powermatic 80 with a green waffle dial. That's let's it. let's make it clear. It's a green waffle dial, <laughs> which uh, which is very good. I've uh, seen that watch and it was it was in my bucket list then that that same watch that he bought. And a very, very classy, very neat, very nice watch. Yeah. My my goal is to move towards the 1020K range. 1020, what would be your first entry-level uh, watch? So my first entry-level watch would probably the PRX, PRX. to be no, completely What honest. would be? You said it's a 10K and a 20K range. Or oh, I want to move into that. Yeah. But if it's if we're talking entry-level watch, I would say like five, six grand. I might get the Tudor Black Bay, mm, mm. Uh, the Black Bay 58. I like how that looks. Looks it, very sexy. Tudor makes very pretty watches, but there's something about their hour hand that just gives me You don't the like eight. the snowflake I hands? I don't like that hand, man. Nah, I love it. I don't it. like that hand. I feel like it differentiates itself from Rolex. And Do you reckon? Yeah, and it's the closest thing too, you know? And no doubt they make beautiful watches, but there's something about their hour hand is just like, uh, I don't know. I, I, don't know I, I used feel. to dislike them at the beginning too. I wasn't yeah. really feeling it. But the more I got into the hobby of watch collecting, the more I started appreciating it. How did you get into watch collecting i think it's i think it's standard um like for any car enthusiast to eventually get into watches you're talking about pretty much similar type things in my opinion Mm. you've got gears in a gearbox Mm -hmm. in a car so do you have gears for a watch (laughs) like um, i see there's something about that engineering aspect of that that interests you yeah and to bring everything full circle those uh, engineers that I used to look up to had fantasy cars and yeah. nice watches, you know. Yeah. So I think it's always been a an idea of like luxury and class in my head, yeah. and that's what's drawn me towards it. If I give you ten to fifteen grand, what would be your watch? Don't think, just say it. Don't think too much. Ten to fifteen. Yeah. I try and get a, a Submariner from a Subby. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say Subbies are the best, man. They're For very sure. classic. Very classic, very old-fashioned, and very. Uh, I'm not sure if you can get a subby for 15k though. I don't think so. Not in Australia. Maybe, maybe US. I think you. I think that's the price from like an authorized dealer. But I'm not fancy enough to go to one. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so watch collecting. Do you do mods as well? Do you like modding your watches? Uh, no. I, you don't like? That's, that's beyond my head. Yeah. I'll leave that to like the watch experts like Steve. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Steve. We're going to have him on soon and we're going to talk about watches as well. Um, do you like the aspect of modding watches as well as modding cars? Do you th- does that... Is that similar? I would assume it would overlap at some yeah. point in my life, but as of now, it hasn't. Mm. Um, I think, I don't know why I don't have an interest just yet. I think it's the main reason is probably sorting the parts. Mm. Um, I think I personally have a standard that I just probably couldn't find the right distributors mm-hmm. for. And I would much rather just let people who have been doing it mm-hmm. for a while handle that there's like always a a risk to a reward factor when it comes to doing things yourself would it be a time constraint to to source all those parts yeah yeah i just think it'll be one the time constraints or where to source them from you might get like Mm -hmm. shitty parts excuse my language Mm -hmm. that comes back and like you're like oh i don't i don't want to build this Uh, and it's not it's not it's not a cheap hobby though it's not a cheap hobby at all asking car guys like i've seen guys put like 10 20 30k in their cars and they all look still the same there's something about i don't know maybe it's just me i like keeping my car stock like well again i don't own like a modded car but i like the aspect of i don't own a car yeah you (laughs) (laughs) we're talking about cars and we all have shit cars or shoot doesn't even have a car uses his feet Yeah. yeah 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 um I like keeping my cars a bit subtle and not have them very flamboyant hmm. um, you know, and just having a good internals. Like I would want to invest in something that bumps up their, uh, you know, horsepower is uh, better, better. Um. I think it, it's your... Uh, what, what, what's your thought on that? What would you like? Do you like to mod it from outside, make it look pretty or the way you like it, like JDM shit or... Um, for me, it's I first need to purchase my car before I make you can any actually, of those yeah. like, choices. It depends on the base you start off with. Mm. So first, it depends on what you buy, I think. And then a standard thing to do would be the suspension wheels and tires. Mm. That would be like my first go-to, just improve how it rides. Yeah, true. Um, and then it might be like internal features so i'll probably if it doesn't have uh, a display or any sort of apple carplay i would try and get that into the car next hmm. um and then probably like exterior modifications that don't that look good but not too much not too much yeah, yeah. so maybe like a, a duckbill spoiler at the end yeah. you know something body kits on the side body kits i don't know i don't think yeah. so because i feel like that would be a waste of money there's like, something about I like I like body kits. I honestly like body again, kits. Again, it depends on the, the car you buy. On a Subaru, buy, on like a pretty Subaru, you put that body kit on, side skirts in the front, you know, that 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 low for rider. Sure. It'll yeah. look nice. Yeah. Again, it's sure. your application of your car. So yeah, ideally for me, like the dream has been uh if I were to buy a car, I'd take it out to the track and mm-hmm. track it. So yeah. my uh performance wise again i'll get the suspensions the wheels the tires done so it drives better first and then i'd probably stick to modifications that 
make that hobby a bit more pleasant. So whether that be like get new racing seats mm, or something bucket else. Seats. Yeah, bucket seats that keep yeah. you locked into your car. Maybe getting a harness inside the car as well. Like it's very cool. Yeah, and having that the harness racing harness. That's it. Click uh, a roll cage installed. There's heaps you can do, but I think it's for the purpose. Whereas like if you if you're getting a car for the sake of being a daily driver, yeah. you kind of don't want to do those things. And cosmetic things like upgrading your body kit would be a great idea because like to initially get into that. That's it. Like mm. so, it depends on the purpose of what you're modifying it for. Number what, one, what your interest is, and what, what your interest is, and what you're sure. going to do with the car. Hundred mm. percent. What What is your dream car show? What What do you think that oh, fuck this is god tier? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I honestly don't know. I love Beamers. I don't like for me the BMW M3 has always been the car. I remember seeing it in Need for Speed Most Wanted one. Uh, yeah, that yeah, was yeah, where yes. my passion started. That's 2008 and 2009 old bm do you know how how much they go for they're I think super expensive the right now m3 from that generation probably goes for like uh, well the the m3 the gtr version would probably go for 100k easy six figures easy right now but i guess a regular m3 from that generation the e46 would probably be somewhere like 50 plus yeah just not the gtr and did you know paul walker had a stack of them yeah he did stack the auction, the auction is, uh, and uh, as when he passed away, and then uh, there was shit tons of cars. I love how Dan has no absolute idea. What I have we're no idea about. what you're talking Dan's about. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, like, yeah, I'm just studying my head. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> let, let, I'm not a car enthusiast. Yeah, no, no. I don't even drive if I can help it. Yeah, I, I don't know how he does that. It's so funny that I told you, it was like, um, we pulled up to the parking lot and he asked, is that Dan's car? I mean, Dan doesn't drive. <laughs> and I've got a car, but I don't drive. drive. It's, it's, so, it's so bizarre, yeah. Green That's Dan. because I come from the country where I'm more comfortable on driving on roads that aren't busy. Busy. Yeah. Uh, I can't drive in Melbourne. Yeah, fuck. I'll, either way, <laughs> I love driving. Uh, let's, let me dive into something psychological. Uh, philosophical, not psychological. Psychological. Philosophical. Philosophical, yes. There thank you. Go. There's a question I marked. I said, this, this would be good to talk to you about. Can you share any experiences or encounters that have had a profound impact on you? Profound impact. impact. Yeah. We all have one or two of those, those, those experiences that you know, just change the complete trajectory of your life. Maybe it could be moving to Sri Lanka or moving back to, from Sri Lanka to Australia or any incident that happened. Um, can you think of anything? That was... A philosophical experience yeah i mean philosophical question like about life in general <laughs> what 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 what, were, what was the thing that made impact on you damn i honestly i swear to god i have never thought this deep <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> that's fine can you can you tell us what was your favorite childhood memory Ooh. These questions keep getting juicier. <laughs> yeah, and juicier, yeah, yeah, huh? yeah, yeah. I, I love, I love asking these questions because you, you know, get to know so much about someone when you ask those questions because it's it wants you to pull a memory out of your vault and then ex share that with the, you know. I've forgotten the pin to my vault. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Wow. Um, favorite childhood experience or memory or memory. So. Uh, I think you guys might have them here. Do you have the Duke of Edinburgh Award? No. Well, I don't think well, so. 
I mean, I've heard of the Duke of Edinburgh, but I didn't know there was an award. Yeah, a uh, Duke of Edinburgh award. So, correct. Someone will correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think sometime uh, in the past they wanted to create a program for the youths just to keep them out of mischief mm-hmm. was what I heard. Yeah, and they created this Duke of Edinburgh, Edin- Edinburgh award, and uh, you would basically have to perform a service, get involved in a physical activity, and also learn a new skill. Mm. And once you've conquered all of those things, you, uh, I guess, like it's almost like win a chance to go on an expedition. Mm-hmm. Wow, expedition yeah. sounds freaking interesting. Yeah, it's yeah. Well, mm. I did all three levels. I did the bronze, the silver, and the gold. Um, so for the bronze, it was like three months service, three months skill, and three months of a physical activity, and then you get to go on a trip. For the silver, it was 666. And then yeah. for the gold, it was a year for all of them. Mm. Um, and I got to go to Oman, Nepal, and Tanzania. Wow. Tanzania. Like, yeah. With yeah. Uh, a bunch of my like friends from school. Yeah. And we hiked up mountains, uh, performed. We installed a drainage system in Nepal. And it was like probably the best time of, of like my uh, youth. Yeah. Uh, How yeah. old were you? So I, when I did the bronze, I think I was 15. When I did the okay. silver, I think I was 16. And it was like 17, 18 when I did the gold. I, I sort of envy that because I, I never got to experience that. Mm-hmm. But it's such a it's such a great, has such a great impact on you as a kid that you're out of your home and just at a different place and you're doing all yeah. those activities. How was Nepal for you, Chul? Nepal was really good. It's weird. You can see what happens when the British doesn't colonize you. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, no, it was it was really cool. There was heaps of steps. No, yeah. like, you just had to keep walking. Keep walking, yes. That's it. And uh, we went to Annapurna to go trekking up one of the mountains. Mm. I have, like, a bad memory as well as spatial yeah. dyslexia, so I have no idea where I went. Um, but it was just more so the experience and the people that we went with. It was my first time ever experiencing snow. Wow. I remember like coming every, from Qatar would have been a completely different. I had my tongue out the whole time. I didn't realize it was gross water. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was like, was like ah. <laughs> walking around. Um, but yeah, it was it was a good experience. It was exhausting. And I think like being able to do that at a young age has now instilled like a mindset in my head because I remember how difficult the hikes were mm-hmm. and now whenever I go up a hike here I'm like it can't yeah. be that bad all yeah. I need to do is reach the peak and bro Annapurna is one of the toughest hikes uh, Nepal has to offer one of the toughest hikes for sure and did you how far did you go up to Annapurna I have no idea you know, no, okay. no idea no clue. I feel like it's one thing I regret about my life is not paying attention to the details yeah. I just know an overall story mm-hmm. and I'm like, this is how it happened. Mm. Yeah. Might be completely making it up, guys. I haven't even gone to Nepal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You said you installed um so what drainage. Yeah, drainage, yes. Yeah. yeah. Um they their current system was like open drainage water running mm-hmm. down. Mm-hmm. And uh we aided. We didn't do the entire thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So uh, we just dug out a trench on the side where initially all the drainage was going and we placed large concrete pipes there. Mm -hmm. And I'm assuming as soon as we did that, like an actual team came in mm. and actually did everything up. Yeah. <laughs> Fixed up all your mistakes. Yeah, no, no, for sure. <laughs> 16 year old kids trying to yeah, build it. Uh, <laughs> the, yeah, they got these kids in again on this program. You know, they have to go it's in like, and ah, fix how is, it all up. How was the people around that were to you guys? Oh, absolutely delightful. Yeah. Yeah. Were they happy to see you guys? Because they, were, they were so happy and they were right. really welcoming. Um, we got to chill with like some of the kids over in the local school. Mm. Most of them spoke really good English, English yes. and it like, kind of baffled me. I was expecting like quite poor from them. Like People don't realize this, that all South Asian countries, your first language is a language that you speak at home, your mother tongue. And in when you start education in schools, they all teach you English. So everyone, when you go to Southeast Asia, everyone speaks English. Mm. So it's like... Give it 10 more years, it'll be Mandarin or Cantonese. <laughs> yeah, oh, for sure. <laughs> That's going to take over 100%. And uh, just, you see like a... A full like Indian kid just break down into full Cantonese, like, full Cantonese, <laughs> and you're like, what the fuck is coming out of that man's here? mouth? <laughs> um, we're gonna have to take another break soon, but so that's that's your favorite childhood memory that you remember? Yeah. Well, um, I remember heaps, just like uh, trekking, and then also having to set up camp food. Disgusting yeah. food. That's part of experience. Yeah. Uh, you know, doing your business out in the wilderness. That's always yeah. fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you just have to skate on the squad. I was like, yeah, that's my favorite hobby. Yeah. <laughs> Bro, um, we we did a bunch of tracking when I was a kid. And again, the funnest memories I've had in my life. It's it's something about school trip, going out with your school boys in a group. It's like 40, 50 kids just out in the wild and doing a bunch yeah. of shit. It's very, it's very busy. Just it's up to some mischief. Up to some mischief and doing a bunch of shit. But yeah, let's, let's take a break and uh, we'll, we'll talk about something else. Okay, Dan, take it away, bro. <laughs> take it away. Well, I found it fascinating in this chat about you that you actually took the time to pinpoint what you liked about engineering. Well, actually not what you, sort of, you took the time to pinpoint the fact that you liked cars or the mechanics of cars. So then you sort of um, found that sort of facet about uh, engineering that wasn't there before, which allowed you to sort of follow through on your degree, right? So, and now that you you sort of realise in your head that you're now in just a comfortable job. So my question, I suppose, is how often do you take the time to slow down in life and mm. reflect on what you're doing oh. to allow you to continue with whatever it is you're doing uh basically he's asking about me t- you're asking about me time right basically. yeah because like, often in life we're sort of surfing through mm. life without really taking the time to sort of slow down and think about what we're doing we're just going from one thing to the next to the next to the next but what I found fascinating about what you said earlier, you took the time to slow down and realised what you liked about engineering to allow you to finish engineering. It just happened that way. It wasn't like planned at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess my interest came, again, purely from YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I think we all tried to escape reality in our own ways and YouTube was that thing for me. 
So even when I had engineering projects to complete and certain deadlines to meet, I was always on YouTube. Mm. And for the longest time, I viewed it as unconstructive or unproductive. And it was, it was like me procrastinating. Mm -hmm. I just got very fortunate in a sense where what I was procrastinating on was kind of beneficial for mm. me. Mm. And it was purely unintentional. So it wasn't a conscious effort on your part to slow down? No, no, it was no just not at a, all. It was it a was, natural sort of progression. Yeah, it was yeah. me trying to escape reality, if anything. Yeah. I'm just there trying to procrastinate, kill time. And then you found your thing. Yeah. Mm. And then I you found stumbled an upon basically. That's it. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, it's I think that's like one of the best forms of like inspiration, yeah, motivation. Just stumbling yeah. on it. I think mm. you like throughout life you'll get these bursts of motivation mm. towards certain things. aspects yeah, yeah. Mm. and certain things and you just got to follow through with it whether it's like binge watching a bunch of mm. videos mm. but if you feel the initial interest and it's a positive and a negative thing for me too whenever I find an interest I go all out mm. and some people yeah. <laughs> they've they're like, oh, you're always like two sides of the spectrum. Either you don't care about it at all or mm -hmm. you care about it as the only thing mm -hmm. that matters. So you're ex ex extremist. Yeah, basically. definitely. Finding a middle ground has been something that I always struggle Same. with. Same. Like, I did say I'm in a very comfortable job, but it's not the most comfortable life per se. Mm -hmm. I can't manage to switch off. Mm -hmm. It's a very easy job, so I feel like I... I give myself certain tasks throughout the day to get completed and I'll complete through that, but then there'll be a heap of other stuff that comes through and I, the list just keeps building up and building up and I'm finding it very difficult right now just to disconnect. Is it just too overwhelming that you haven't had a chance to sort of think about the next thing you want to do? A hundred percent. So like, although I'm in a, like I describe it as a comfortable job, but what I mean by that is um, it pays the bills. It, pays it the gets bills. you through through life financially. Yep. You know you're going to go home each day and then have that paycheck waiting for you at the end of each Correct. week. And it's like good enough for me to keep going yep. without feeling like I'm being held back. Because yep. uh, in my last job, that's how I felt. I felt like no matter how much I'm progressing, I'm always being held back, mm. uh, mainly financially. But now that the financial aspect of it has been sorted, the, the craving about, um, like, is what I'm doing, what's the purpose of what it is that I'm doing? You have to find a place to grow yeah. rather than just get bogged down in in work and the minutiae of, That's of, of Every that day. sort of cycle yeah. that you go through each day. And I'm stuck in yeah. that cycle right now. And I also have two jobs. So on the weekends, I also work in retail. Mm -hmm. So just not having any, like, when you describe me time, mm. that's like the last thing that I have is me time. Um, so whenever you... You need that space to procrastinate, I suppose. Yeah. And mm. your lifestyle that you describe now, you just don't have that that room to procrastinate to get yeah. to the next thing. Not even procrastinate, even just to follow through on things. Right now, um, I'm in my late 20s. I'm getting to the point where everything's starting to slow down too. Mm. But mm. I feel like I don't want to slow down. And if I slow down, I might lose momentum. And like I said, right now, the comfortable job that I have 
it's still a bit chaotic mm -hmm. and that's what's keeping me interested right now. Mm -hmm. But I would assume once everything's like fully comfortable, I'll, mm -hmm. I'll have the capacity to think about what's next. Mm -hmm. Oh, so <clears throat> if you end up getting some of your me time or some of your alone time, how, what is your thing? Because my thing when I'm alone is if it's like maybe a Saturday or a Sunday, I, I try my best not to do anything for, for some, some period of time. I'll just go out. So food is my advice. I think food is my advice. I would just go out and eat a bunch of food, get a nice coffee and just go for a drive and just listening to my music. That's like my sensory deprivation thing. Mm. Like, it, because to me, that's such an autonomous thing. I'll drive. I know where to go. It's everything is uh, automated. I know where to go, and I, I'm not. I'm not thinking. I'm not looking through stuff where I mm. want to go. I know where I want to go. I know what I want to eat. That's my coffee place, mm -hmm. and this is the spot I hang out at a beach. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe it could be Frankston or Brighton. There's, there's like two two spots I have. Two go tos. Two go tos, and I'll just sit there and just think about shit and just you know get through. That's 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 for me. What, what what's for you guys? I want to know about Dan's as well. Mine's just taking the dog out. Yeah, is that's your yeah. sensory deprivation thing? Yeah, that's just I'm all. just just yeah, out in the world mm. on a walk with the dog. It's peaceful. Yeah. There's no one else around. It's just me and the dog. Yeah, that's my time alone where I'm not thinking about anything else. It's just simple, just a walk or a run out with the dog. That's it. You shut off to the rest of the world. Yes. Yeah, you're not scrolling through your phone. Yes. You may be listening to a music or a podcast, podcast while, yes. while you're on the walk, but that's it. Mm. You're not thinking about anything else. What's what's your thing, G? Mine's uh, large bodies of water. <laughs> yeah. So like yep. swimming or just, just being around. Just large. being around. Okay. So growing up, I chill. Like my friends and I used to just chill by our local port. So there was a shop nearby. We'd always get tea or like food. And we'd just be sitting at the port, mm. eating food, talking crap pretty much yes, all day. Very, yeah. mm -hmm. So I guess that's the one thing I've carried on throughout my life is whenever I do see a large body of water, mm. I, I have the capacity to like take a minute. Mm. And, like appreciate it. Just, just appreciate, appreciate it. it. Yeah. yeah. I can't believe you haven't gone uh, out to, because that's exactly my thing too. Like I just love sitting around the beach and just. Well, there's it. something about the peace and quiet yeah. which sort of Serenity. allows you to sort of mm -hmm. yeah. reset a little bit and forget about the chaos that's <laughs> it and the sensory overload we get these days of you know watches laptops phones and everything and people well, it's always nervous. in our faces <coughs> all the time that's it and when i'm like out just breathing the air around uh, mm -hmm. a body of water or a stream i just feel like it smells way different to what I'm currently living, like mm. in the city, wow, near yes. like going into work, mm. and all of those issues just become so small to me. Mm. Where I'm like, oh, the world's so much bigger than that tiny cubicle I work in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And do you guys ever think like, not think think, but do you ever, ever guys feel like, what are we doing? Like, e even this, like I I was sitting down the other day and looking at me, you know, when I was editing this podcast, mm. I was just looking thinking to myself like. What am I doing? Mm. Do you guys ever think like that? Yeah. It's, well, it's, it's a very vague question. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I get it. But do you ever think like that? I think it's completely normal for humans to always look for a purpose. Like, why do we belong? What are, why are we doing what we're doing? It's sort of an outer body experience, really, every mm. now and again, where you're thinking, what am I doing? Yeah, yeah. you know what? Yeah. yeah. 
who are these people around me? What, where am I living? What am I doing for work? Who, who am I? Yeah, <laughs> It's exactly. always that sort of weird out-of-body experience you have every now and again when you just sort of, I guess, it happens for me when I'm run down or too tired to think mm. about anything else. Yeah, uh, for sure. I think it's just I only think about that and compare myself to my past self. So I'm like, what it is? what is it that I'm doing right now versus what was it that I was doing a year ago, two years ago, five mm. years ago? Mm. And like, has there been a gradual growth mm. in like perspective in like financial situation? Mm. So when I, I, I have a very toxic relationship with myself where I'm constantly just like, Beating yourself up? Yeah, beating myself up to a certain degree, but I think it's well warranted. I grew up from like a very tough upbringing with my parents. Mm. So it's it's the relationship that I have with mm. myself now. Like I'm very hard on myself and it's a lot of tough love internally too. So I think everyone has that to a certain, certain degree. And I think that's very useful if you do it carefully and don't overdo it because it serves as fuel for you to keep moving in that forward direction. Yeah, and, and it can mm. also put you out. Hundred percent, mm. because you can also overload yourself and just be like, you know, you can you can just swing back to back to square one. If well, you, you can be your it. own worst enemy. Hundred percent as well. Hundred <laughs> percent. You're right. You guys are right. Do you want to ask you something? I think every guy, every man needs a strong role model in their life, right? Who, who was your role model? Could be guy, gal, you know, maybe a parent, brother, sibling, friend, and enge- those engineers that you just talked about. Who was that strong role model in your life that you looked up to and was like, want to be that, be like that? Uh, I think it has to be my dad, mm-hmm. <laughs> for sure. Um, he's he's always been like my dad had all, like absolutely nothing and the life that he provided for me, I feel like I'm always living in the shadows. Like I wouldn't be able to provide that for my own kids because mm. mm. I had a overprivileged life in my perspective. Mm. And to uh, to achieve what he achieved, I think it's just mind blowing. And I, mm. well, my dad played it really smart. Like, and I just feel like I'm always kind of living in the shadow. Mm. And now he's retired and everything, and he feels like a shell of his former self to a certain degree. But it's it's weird because like you're looking, you're I when I speak to him, I'm speaking to my idol technically, mm-hmm. but I'm just there trying to prep him up. Mm. So I know everything's like temporary too, and I I use my dad as mm. like my milestones to gauge how well I'm doing too. Does that give you uh, that forward momentum you need to sort of? Yeah, be better than what the, what you are. Yeah. yeah, no, for sure. I was like, um, I feel like because he provided the building blocks, and my starting position was way better than his starting position. I have more of a steeper slope to climb up to be just as successful. So if we gauge my starting position and my dad's starting position, I would say that it's so much harder for me to become more successful from where I started. Mm-hmm. Mm, absolutely. Just, just because we talked about it, because from where he started to a point that he got you, you're starting up from that level and to, I, to, to the place up. Yeah, right? yeah. To alleviate that. And like, obviously, we, my father and I probably have different metrics of what success is because it's all dependent mm. individually. Mm. And I would like to think I've made him proud so far. 
and can only go up from here. But like he also needs to know that I'm really proud of him too. Mm. Like just mm. forgetting. You appreciate that what yeah. he did, hundred percent. And I'm guessing for that man, it would would have been incredibly different to have um, a whole family, um, you know, providing you your mother and your siblings with the, with all that opportunity and all that, you know. Um, that's good, man. That's that's very good to have a strong uh, male figure in your life. Yeah, and I realize a lot of people aren't as fortunate, well, at least mm. now, after growing yeah. up. And growing up, I, I, the relationship with my father was a bit rocky. Yeah. And just dislike, like, dislike the person when I was going through my teen years, you know? Like, they're not allowing me to be my true self and mm. grow and so on and so forth. It's It's supposed to be rocky and it's supposed to be like that because... When you're growing up and you have a strong male figure in your life, this you can you have someone that you can always go to and who knows the answers. But there also comes a time in a man's life that I believe you have you ask your parents questions and they don't know the answer to. The reason they don't know the answer to is because they don't know, actually. And I think that time should should definitely come in your life um, sooner than later. Because when that moment comes you sort of take care of them instead they take care of you i think from that moment on yeah right and you you glazed over success quickly when we were talking about your dad what you said that it's different he's he would have different metrics on success and you would have different metrics on success so what is success for you Ooh, like success for me is one being I guess completely financially independent from, or I don't know how to describe it. My finance terminology is like really bad. Yeah. Um, to just have no debt and just uh, a solid income, like proper passive income mm. as well. It's all financial based for me, success. Um, mm. And it's weird. It shouldn't be financial based. It should also be like internal. Well, the world spins on money. <laughs> it's a capitalist society everywhere, so no, but that I, makes sense. It's also like I, I don't want my affiliation with success to only be yeah, about money because mm. it's not the driving factor for sure. But right now, I guess in my twenties, the only thing like I can think about. Well, it's hard to keep your head above water at you know in your twenties. Yeah. So that's why it's always financially motivated to be successful that's it yeah like and I, I feel like I'm finally at a point where my head's above water mm. and again I have certain like challenges in my current workplace so it doesn't feel like I'm fully comfortable yet mm. but I'm hoping to find potentially a new sense of purpose and whether it be in the current company that I'm working or potentially somewhere else I'm mm. just looking for my next sense of purpose. Because right now I've got a, a sense of purpose as to what my job is and what it is that I'm going to do. But I can't wait for when I do achieve it mm. and for what's next. Because I don't want to be in one position where I'm stagnated. And that doesn't mean like I don't want to be in one company. It means like I just don't want to be doing the same thing like for the next mm. two years. Mm. I would like to branch out possibly, maybe even start something completely different. Mm. But I think where I'm currently at, I'm building the foundations 
to be able to have the ability to like just start something brand new. Because you need you do need some sort of solid foundation to step onto the next stepping stone. You can't just have a rocky foundation and take That's another it. step. And I don't know what the next stepping stone is until it speaks to me. Mm. So mm. well only time will tell. Do you would you be able to define in some sort of way that where do you see yourself in the next five years? It's a very interview question. It's a very interview question for sure. <laughs> yeah. And I again I'll answer it like I would in an interview. I'm not sure where. Ideally the dream scenario in my head would be I would have my own performance garage. The, and uh, that I would be managing mm-hmm. and have a team of proper engineers who are, and tuners and mechanics just there doing their own thing. Um, yeah, that, that's like, I don't know if it's five-year achievable because mm. we're talking about having a large mm. bunch of money like initially. Capital, you need yeah. capital. To start you need the business. capital, you need the space, you need the tools, you need the personnel or employees. 100%. Like, and that all in all makes a lot of money just before we wrap this bad boy up shoe i want to ask you two questions um since this podcast is called game of life right it's a very vague question but what is your game of life my game of life yeah as in what what's your game what's your game of life what, what do you how do you go on every day like what's your philosophy about life what's your game on life it's it's the same as Vin Diesel, quarter mile at a time. <laughs> quarter mile at a time? That's good. It's good enough. I'll take it. That's good. That's a good one. You live your life quarter mile, uh, quarter mile at a time. I fully ripped that off, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. I'll take it. And we have a ritual. Dan and I have a ritual now at this podcast that whenever we have a guest on, um, you leave a question for the next guest and you have to answer the previous answer the question previous guest asked mm. so what was, was Sandy's question Sandy's question was basically we've asked shoot, shit tons of time on this podcast mm-hmm. basically wanted to know like what are you doing at this podcast or what are you doing in, in life in general or like what are you doing boo Sandy your question boo Sandy <laughs> Sa- question sucks <laughs> um, yeah so that was Sandy's question so you answer that what are you doing on this podcast or what are you doing in life? That was Sandy's question. And you leave another, it doesn't matter what it is. It could be anything. You can ask their favorite color, I don't care, for the next guest. Okay. So what was Sandy's question one more time? Well, he, he just he just wanted to know. He just gave us a vague question. He said, um, what are you doing on this podcast and what are you doing in life? I think I think, I think it was what are you doing in life? In life, I yeah. think that was more it. Yeah, mm-hmm. basically. That's what he asked. I would say... I'm just living, probably the most generic answer, but um, I still feel like I have heaps of learning and growing to do. Mm. So I'm just experiencing that as it comes. Yeah. And hopefully when I'm a little bit older, I can look back at my time and be like, it was productive. Mm. Do you have a favorite quote that you live by? Vin Diesel, one quarter mile at a time. Hey, no. <laughs> okay. Sure. Uh, not really. I'm not the most well-read mm. or anything like that. Yeah. Um, so I don't have particular quotes in mind mm. that run my life. Yeah. I do take it on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Um, I think experience the world for what it is today and just try and prepare yourself for tomorrow. 
Good job, man. Good job. And That's I wish a good you, life philosophy. That's it. I wish you all the luck um, in life, Shu. And any time, any second you need me, I'm just one call away. And so is Dan. And one podcast away. And one podcast away. If you want to talk about anything, if there's something that's on your mind you want to talk about, bring it we'll only on, on air. We'll we're, only we're, on we're, air. <laughs> our intention is to bring you back back on as well. When, when we're a lot more... Uh, professional at doing this. Yeah. Professional. Professional. Sure. I was trying to say something else, but. Right. Oh, okay. wait. What's your question for yeah, the next yeah, guest? Yeah, gonna... Okay. Take your time. That's fine. Take your time. That's it. Let's kill some dead space. Uh, yeah, we'll kill the dead space. Let's see. My next question. Who's your next guest again? Uh, it will be Josh Earl. He's a comedian. He's a tell, comedian. Tell, tell you about Josh Earl a little bit. Um, so he's a he's a comedian. He um, I, I first became aware of him when he was um, doing a gala spot on the TV. He's I knew him more of a musical of a I knew him more as a musical comedian. But in the last sort of few years, he started his own podcasts, and he's transitioned from musical comedy to just doing a straight hour of storytelling. He used to host a show on the ABC called Spicks and Specs, but he's done a bunch of bunch of comedy stuff and writing and what's um, this podcast about? So he's so he used to do a podcast called Um Don't You Know Who I Am, which was basically he had four comedians on each week and it would be like a um sort of a game show of um asking them about their lives. But sometimes they would just be making something up in their life and the others had to guess what was a lie and what wasn't a lie and oh okay so my question to him was who's the most difficult host or i guess contestant he's had on off air okay Mm. who's the most difficult difficult contestant he worked with off air or or the or actually we don't need to say who but what did they do I think mm. that's much more. Okay. I don't want to give him a question. He's like, I can't answer okay. on air. Okay, that's that's good. All right, that's good, boys. Uh, let's wrap this up. Shu, thank you so much for coming, man. And uh, we, all, we wish you all the luck in life. Hey, thank you. Bye, bye, everybody. Bye.